Welcome to the Weekend Watch List on Intercut, the weekly show going through the movies, TV, and entertainment that people just can't cut away from. I'm Arturo Surita, and joining me, not as a co-host, but as family, it's Zachary Shevich. I feel so welcomed into the family. You know, it's just a, a growing family. Every every week, we get more members around for the, the barbecue and some coronas. The Thanksgiving is going to be pretty massive for us. Uh, but yeah, I see you. Big uh, table. You know, you're not you're not in your same location there, but you still made yeah. sure to bring in the Fast X merch right there uh, and the George yeah, Foreman, which uh, we're not covered. <laughs> exactly. This is the the most coverage that Big George Foreman's going to get on our show is me putting a mini poster up in the background. I don't oh know if you even goodness. got a chance to see it. I haven't had the it's chance. It's out to on VOD, the so I guess I will oh, have to geez. see it eventually. Yeah. yeah, that flipped fast. Yeah, that did not do twelve rounds. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll cover that soon. I am hoping though that we're maybe on the same accord for the biggest movies of the week that came out this weekend. Of course, we're talking about Fast Acts. We're talking about Little Mermaid as well, because next week's going to be Memorial yeah. Day weekend, and there is going to be a buttload. Uh, they're going to need a bigger boat, really, when it comes to Little Mermaid, because <laughs> it is the start of what is going to be full summer season. Starting next mm-hmm. weekend, I guess if you're counting this weekend, it is nothing but the biggest blockbusters possible leading into June. But it's also the end of Emmy's um, what is it? The voter registration? Consideration, voter yeah. Eligibility, consideration cut eligibility window? Yeah. You have yeah. to have premiered your show, or not premiered your show, but aired your show before June in order for it to be considered for the Emmys window. And that includes shows that are going on right now. Like, the succession finale is happening at the end of this week. But if they waited until June, that would be part of next year's Emmys window. So that's why you see all these shows cramming them, their uh, run times into the end of May. You had even mentioned that that's the reason Barry played an episode yeah. early in order to and I didn't realize, And I didn't realize that I miscalculated it earlier. Now we're getting Succession finale and Barry finale back to back this Sunday. We, yeah. like, I don't know how I'm emotionally going to prepare for all of that. And, of course, you have the Yellow Jackets finale, the Ted Lasso finale, the Mrs. Davis finale. It's going to be way too much. Uh, so we're covering all the movies in this jam-packed episode right here. So let's begin it with the biggest one of this weekend, one that people were saying was a flop. At 350 mil, I think is what it made opening weekend. If that's a flop, please send those numbers our way. (laughs) Fast X is the newest one in the Fast and Furious franchise, a movie that just decided to be the greatest hits of everything else. Part of this Mm -hmm. movie is just Fast Five, which I don't know if you have a favorite. Fast Five is easily the best for me. Yeah, it feels... I feel like most people, if they're not, like, early Fast and Furious fans, they either go with Fast Five, because that's the most satisfying action movie with big set pieces, or they go with Furious 7, because that's the one that has that, like, really emotional uh, climax with the whole Paul Walker situation. But I I tend to lean more on the Fast Five side of things. So I'm curious. I came out of this one, and I was just like, yo, I think this might be the best one since Furious 7. Uh, Further that, I think it may be the best one since Fast Five, where are you landing? Is it too fast or too I, goofy? <laughs> I think I agree with you, actually. I, I pretty much Let's enjoyed go. this one and, and maybe enjoyed it a bit more than I expected to. Just like, I, I, I'm going to borrow a point from my buddy Brett on the Roger Ebert and Me podcast that these f- movies are a lot like cinematic Mc- McDonald's. And sometimes you go to McDonald's and it feels gross and you feel greasy afterwards and you, you hate that you made that decision to get it. But sometimes you go and the fries really taste perfect. And like, look, this like this is not high 
art cinema by anybody's imagination. High calorie cinema. <laughs> exactly, and it 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 gets the job done. It is like good, tasty garbage. None of the actors look like they're on location. Most of them look like they're not in the same room with each other. A lot of it is CGI, uh, just sort of action pieces instead of any of the like real tangible stuff. But I think it, it's it's like epic in a way and grand and. At this point, they have so many people who have been in this franchise at one point at the in, or the other that they're basically able to like Avengers: Infinity War this and and bring in a, anytime they need to have someone like for a small scene to to sti- uh, stitch things to get together to the next scene, they bring in like an Oscar-winning actor. It, it's which it's is insane. Enjoyable. The only thing is, like, a lot of those performances are then, like, surrounded by Vin Diesel doing his best to be, like, brooding and contain a world within him, and he just doesn't really have that depth. But these movies don't really go that deep either, so it's not, like, a a huge loss. I, I found it to be mostly... Uh, mostly enjoyable. The, I thought the first big action set piece through the streets of Italy was like a lot of fun uh, in a similar so way to the Rio de Janeiro one was. Yeah, but it's mm-hmm. mostly, it's that it's it's goofy. And I like particularly, uh, you know, in the, in the history of the franchise where you've had a lot of big and famous names in the villain role, getting Jason Momoa to do basically like a slightly effeminate Joker character it's maybe my fa- favorite villain in the history of the series. In rewatching it, it is beat for beat Joker. We're cutting up the Elemi right now, dude. It is yeah. insane how far he went into it. Uh, one of my favorite aspects of it that I haven't seen a lot of people cover is that even his car is the mm-hmm. opposite make to Dom's car. They went down to little details where this yeah. man is easily not just the best villain of this uh, franchise, this is probably one of my favorite performances, just over-the-top performances of this year. Uh, He made the movie for me. I thought the way that they were able to slip him in. best performance? I was trying to think that. Like, I think Uh, I enjoyed it here more than anywhere else. You know, they always make fun of him in... Dune is really good. But the way they make fun of him in Aquaman for being, like, the... My man. You can can sense that he had a a little bit of humor to him. Mm -hmm. They finally unleash him in a way... Where a lot of the stuff that he does here is improv. I did not realize yeah. that the part with his tooth and pulling out his tooth and getting slapped around, those were things he were ma- he was making up on set. And I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. we need more of that. I don't want to see you scripted. I don't want to see you brooding. Yeah. I love seeing this over-the-top character that he was bringing in. Um, it's a silly I agree franchise, and he is silly about it. I think it, it's a perfect match. That's the problem with 8 and 9, in my opinion. I think that 8 and 9 was taking themselves too seriously, and they yes. got to a point where it was it was pretty much just clashing egos, as we know. Fast X does this thing where it breaks the fourth wall. And I've been seeing a lot of people, Zach, who have been given some other franchises, passes, mm-hmm. for certain kills and people who should not have come back. <clears throat> Scream 6. For certain uh, metal <laughs> fourth wall breaks that have been happening. Fast mm-hmm. X does all that. It knows how to eat his cake and have it too. I thought that right. they did it beautifully with these new characters that they brought in with uh, Ames. You had mentioned Oscar winners. I know that not everybody may like a Brie Larson in there, but that's another Oscar winner who asked to be in the franchise. You mm-hmm. have Rita Moreno, who's now in the franchise. All of these people who want to be a part of the family, and they may not always bring the biggest aspect to it, but the the fact that they've been able to kind of had uh, kind of have a... Um, 
a smorgasbord of having so many storylines happen at once. Like when we were breaking it down, you have like Dom having a whole storyline while like Letty's over here doing just mm-hmm. one fight throughout the entire movie for days. <laughs> then you have the London crew who's just goofing around, meeting different cameos here and there. Like you said, it's an MCU movie where to yeah. me they've just become Christian Avengers at this point. They do yeah, everything like your, by faith. I liked your faith-based Avengers line on Letterboxd. Honestly, because it's a we're at a point where I don't know if the missions are impossible, but through God, all things can can happen because this man does a little prayer. He clutches onto his cross and he makes it happen. Mm-hmm. You and I were kind of mm-hmm. disappointed that we didn't get those. Uh, they did this really clever thing where they were giving out <laughs> the fast X. It's like a mixture of his cross while at the same time being the uh, the X that they're using. Uh, it's not going to load here. The, the X that they're using for the uh, franchise. And they were giving them out as keychains. You can put them as a necklace. I'm not going to lie. I kind of want to jump on that merch if possible. But in terms of the series, I think they're back on track because they know what they're delivering now. They're not so yeah. high on egos. It's CGI, but at the same time, I was surprised to see how many practicals they had in there. I love the villain. And I'm kind of down for this trilogy. He had mentioned that he's got some big names he wants to bring in in, in, in store for the future. They said yeah. they already got the final frame ready. Like, this is the finale of Lost. I'm all <laughs> in, man. I, I, I've i got my, my gear shift and drive. I'm ready to see yeah. what they have in store. But I saw that it was pretty mixed reviews for a lot of people. And I think it's weird that a lot of I people are, are criticizing. Right? They're, but they're criticizing it for the weirdest reasons. As if this isn't the 10th movie. We're, right. we're all over the top now. It's like looking at an MCU movie and going, trees? Trees mm-hmm. don't talk. Trees don't talk. I just I just kind of don't see um, why you would give a pass to some of the previous installments of this franchise, but not this one specifically. Because this one, to me, feels like the right mix of elements you want in a goofy, car-forward action movie like this one. And yeah, it's as we sort of mentioned, it borrows heavily not just from Joker for inspiration for Jason Momoa, Avengers Infinity War for kind of the way things are are left. It, it, it even feels like it has elements of, of like Top Gun Maverick in like the old guy wow. still got it. But there like, is one line, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it, it but it works and it's it's I don't know if I want to see the full trilogy. I think they could wrap this up in one more movie. But it was like, supposed to be two, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh obviously there was a whole bunch of scuttlebutt about uh Justin uh, Justin uh, Lin uh yeah, leaving the franchise midway through and Louis Leterrier uh assuming the directing reins. How do you think the boy did uh stepping up into the director's chair for Fast 10? Oh. My man killed it. If anything, there wasn't enough transporter in there. I wanted to see more of a yeah. reunion there. But, you know, they leave it so that there's, there's definitely going to be a lot more. Did you? Yeah. I, I thought he did a great job. But, but did you like the cliffhanger aspect of it? Because I was embracing myself for it, knowing that they were going to do this trilogy yeah. thing. I don't know how your audience was. My audience was, like, mixed to it. Half of them could not believe it. Some were waiting yeah. there, not for an after credit scene, but, but because they thought it was going to continue. <laughs> I think if you asked me that question, like, ten years ago... I, I might have been a little more pissed off about it because I think a movie should be a complete statement. Like, I, that's what I want in my movies. But that's not what blockbuster filmmaking is anymore. Marvel Especially is making this. TV, making movies feel like TV and, and Fast is just kind of borrowing from that. And yeah, like you said, like, they have set this up to be the finale. Like, we all know that they're coming back with another one. It, you know, it's they may not have called this Fast X Part 1, but it, they should have. I, I think I would have preferred it as a film if it could be standalone, but I don't mind it because, 
we're all going to be back in the theater two years from now anyway. And the cliffhangers they give you, we don't really think any of those people are in trouble, do we? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's funny no. for them to take out a couple of people and, and then return with other people. And I'm like, oh, I don't care at this point. <laughs> Uh, I had a blast with Fast X Part One. I'm excited for the the how they're gonna wrap it up. I, yeah. Like you, I, I'm pretty sure they're gonna do spinoff. They keep hinting at that as well. I, they they want to do a Furious female so bad. I feel like that's another reason why they keep getting a bunch of Oscar winners in here. Um, mm-hmm. And besides, I'll wrap it up with this. Definitely go out to the theater. It, got, it has a thumbs up for me. If you know what you're getting into, this is a crazy over the top blockbuster. And for Jason Momoa alone, I think it's worth the price of admission. Do you have another favorite character in uh, the slew of uh, Avengers cast that they got now, besides Jason? Uh, I, you know, I, I didn't love Charlize as a villain in the last film, but I think they use her in a fun way here, particularly yes. uh, playing her off of Michelle Rodriguez. They have maybe the best fight, single fight in the film. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'd, I'd enjoyed Charlize Theron in this moment or in this this uh, type of role. I am gonna agree with you there and add the exact same sentiment for John Cena. They also did so yeah. much better with John Cena in this movie. He was so boring in the last one. And they finally were able to do something where they made him lighthearted. Yeah, I mean, you got to play so. into the fact that he's like a fun, goofy kind of guy. And they did that a lot <laughs> yeah. better this time. Yeah, uh, And some goofy cameos for his as well. But Fast X, out in theaters. Uh, again, it's one of those where we're in movie season where if you want to see this in Dolby. I don't know about you. There's another discussion to have. Disney shut them out. In our theater, and I kind of looked at yours as well, they were not giving Fast X press screeners in the Dolby Theater because they're like, no, 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 Guardians is still in theaters and it's making money. Yet the next day, they made sure to get rid of a Guardian screening for The Little Mermaid, which is what we're covering up next. So be yep. sure to catch Fast X in a premium theater if you want to, because next week it's Little Mermaid. After that, it's Spider-Man. I think Transformers, Flash, it's going to... There's so many movies coming out. It is insane to think that some of these films are being shot for IMAX and you only get six days to see it in these formats. Mm. The Little Mermaid, right off the bat, should people go see this in theaters? And if so, is it worth the combo price to see it in Adobe, Screen X, whatever they have out there? Well, look, it's a musical, right? And if you are going to see it, then, like, it's worth doing it with the best sound you can. I think particularly the the one of the main things I was impressed by was how well uh, Hallie was able to perform these songs. She completely ate those Sheesh. songs. Up. She, uh, uh, part of your world, like, that. that's one of the best versions of it I've ever heard. Did we have doubts, heard. though? Uh, I, I mean, talk. That, Right. All the noise. That wasn't the thing that we doubted, right? Right. That's why everybody skirted around that. They knew, like, she yeah. was going to kill it. Um, All that being said, I think... So, so I think this is the best Disney live-action adaptation outside of Pete's Dragon. That That's not okay. necessarily a high compliment. But I, I do think not. it is the... I do think it is the most successful of them. And I, I th- think that... You know, a lot of the things that bring these live-action adaptations down is the way that they take, like, beautifully rendered creatures and characters and colors and worlds, and they make it all drab and and dull and uninspired-looking. And there's a lot of that in the beginning. I think the underwater stuff all looks pretty bad. Once they get on land, I kind of started to feel the film a little bit more. I started to get into the groove a little bit, a little more, uh, kind of sticking to the base story that people know was like sweet and fun and Hallie's very very good in that role um 
you know, it's not necessarily the best film, and I still would recommend people watch just the animated version over it, but it's, it's solid, not dude. as... I didn't think it was nearly as bad as some of these ones that we've had recently. It is leagues better than what they did with The Lion King. I would argue yes, and I would say that nothing has stooped as low. I hate the Beauty and the Beast growl that they do at the end of that movie. It, yeah. it just makes it so goofy. There are moments where they get close to it here, but it's a pretty standard, decent adaptation for it. I, I feel yeah. you on the opening shots where it's like people were arguing about it being too dark. The moment you get above water, it's maybe too bright. I would say that yeah. when they do the Under the Under the Sea song, they went all out. I, I almost got I got to shout out uh, uh, one of the persons who commented on my review. I don't even know how to get to my review, Zach. Uh, they clicked on your eye thing over there. Oh, there's an eye thing. Yeah, click Where, on the right eye here? I think that'll open. Yeah. Look at there that. You Thank go. you, Zach, for teaching me how to use Letterboxd. Uh, I like this <laughs> comment right here. I can't wait for the animated remake is exactly what I was thinking <laughs> right? when they were animating the Under the Sea sequence because they go mm-hmm. all out with it. Having David Dix isn't going to hurt either. That is another yeah. person who came in and absolutely ate it up because this is a man who, coming out of the Hamilton fame and obviously through clipping, also having Lee manuel come in to do a lot of the songs, he was able to deliver that. Um, yeah. I'll also give a shout-out. We were a little mixed here uh, between us two, but I'm curious what you thought of the guy who came in to play Prince Eric because, to me, I thought they ripped him out of the animated movie and he mm-hmm. also killed the extra song they gave him. Yeah, I mean... I think the, the, the new songs, definitely there's like a chasm between how iconic the originals are and the the new songs that just don't quite feel the same. I think the performance of it was really? good. And like it, I mean, I just think the songs quite aren't quite the same magic, personally. Um, For sure. It, but that's not, to, that's, not to, that's not because of the performance, because I think all the performances were good. It's just that, I don't know, they're... They they do add length to a film that was originally much breezier. You know that's the one thing that I will I will say is that I don't know if a story this simple needs to be around two hours long. Yeah, because the original movie is surprisingly so short, and there is yeah. there's like they just go through it. They trim out everything that you don't need in that film, uh, and it covers a lot of ground. You're adding an hour here, right? There's there's a point mm-hmm. where they're doing the kiss the girl scene where I thought they were about to, you know, just wrap up the movie there, and I'm like, oh no, there's a whole other hour. They gotta mm-hmm. have this crab work overtime. But look, I liked the extra songs that they brought in. They weren't distracting, which I guess is like the best compliment I could give it. I think they yeah. they 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 fit really well. There's this one where they do a very interesting concept because obviously she loses her voice when she's above mm-hmm. water, and I thought the way they filmed that was pretty smart. Then you remember it's Lee Manuel, and he comes up with one for the Scuttlebutt song. And look, my my mom and my sister liked it, so I feel that major audiences are really going to vibe with it. But that's when it reminded yeah. me, all oh, that's right, he is working on new songs for this movie. He mm-hmm. always has this thing where he, he can't help but to go back and do the Hamilton rap thing. And there's just something about Aquafina. I am not an Aquafina hater. We are not Aquafina haters on this podcast. But I don't like her in Disney movies. I hate when they disify her. <laughs> I like her being in something like Renfield. I like her being yeah. even dramatic roles like in The Farewell. The Farewell. Man. Yeah. It's a little strange. <laughs> I, like, I know she has a career as a rapper, but a little bit weird to give her some bars while David Diggs is right there. He's right there. He could do it better. They give him one little bit. And don't when he gives <laughs> that one verse, I mean, he goes through it like the amount of bars that she goes through in 10 seconds. But yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to see more from him instead of... Aquafina here doing some bars, but for the most part, yeah. the music 
I think delivers. If you if you if you're curious in this movie in any way, shape, or form, uh, I think catching it in Dolby for the sound mixing, our, our chairs yeah. were thumping anytime that mm-hmm. Ursula appeared on screen. Who also was not bad, played by Melissa yeah. McCarthy. The yeah, colors, her. her voice. I don't know if there was some tampering in there, but she delivered on the song as well. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's worth the full price uh, of admission for the sound alone, and I would even yeah. argue some of the colors. The story yeah, I changes. Would say- one thing that I notice is I think Twitter compression and YouTube compression is doing this movie pretty dirty. It is not yeah, been nearly as like drab yeah. and dark on the big screen as it was. It's also you you're know, gonna upload what you phone. want to see. Yeah, right. You're gonna argue about you know whatever angle you want to come at it, but for the most part, if you're watching this in a proper projection, it looks pretty decent. I like yeah. it. The props, the, the sets, thing- all of it. They did not go cheap. Yeah, the one thing is I really hope that we can just put an end to the photorealistic animal design because it is hurting these movies so much. When you have Let me find a flounder. full <laughs> When you have like a full human and they're next to a photorealistic sized crab, you can't even see the crab's mouth moving. You know, it's like it's sort of like is David Diggs doing voiceover right now or is that supposed to be Sebastian? You know, his big uh, at the, at the end of Under the Sea it's supposed to be this funny moment because Sebastian is working so hard to do this song and then he's panting because he's tired. You can't even see the crab breathing. What, the joke, it's just like a weird ASMR video all of a sudden with David Diggs just like heavy breathing into the microphone. Man. Can you just like d- t- double the size of their eyes and mouths and leave it at that? It would be so much better. Sebastian grew on me, man. I'm sorry to say. There was something what? about the way they animated him. It was so goofy. I believe you 100% with Flounder. Yeah. He looked like a dead fish the whole movie. <laughs> Maybe it's just David's voice, man. It's, it definitely doesn't compete uh, with yeah. the animated version at all. Yeah. I'm not even saying that. But I thought it was going to be as horrendous as what they did with Flounder. But at a certain point, I just felt with the crap. It, it's just the character of Sebastian that I just yeah. really like. They have this man well, working you know, overtime, taking care of kids. He has a degree. He shouldn't be out there. Right. I, I do I do think it worked okay when it was in the close-ups, like when you can actually see the details on his face. But when, when he's little, just yeah, a yeah. tiny dot floating next to Ariel, you you're can't really see, see any of those details. Yeah. Yeah, there's even moments where she's crying underwater. You're, you're not noticing a damn thing there. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, like I had mentioned, there, there was, there is some story changes, um, you know, for these adaptations. Yeah, I don't think that they're the worst as compared to previous ones where they just try to make some of the characters go in different directions for reasons that don't even really affect the story or really help it at all. I don't think the ones here hurt it much, but it also doesn't add much to the, to the characters either. They do some changes for Prince Eric um, that I feel kind of allude to them wanting to do a sequel or a prequel uh, more than anything else. There yeah. are moments where characters here tell you, oh, there's a lot more to explore. And it kind of does feel like they're looking at the camera telling you, we can't wait to greenlight Little Mermaid 2. Um, right. But again, I don't think anybody will be upset with uh, any of the vast changes that they make to the story. Because uh, again, it, it sticks to a lot of the same plot elements as the original. The music is where it excels. The colors aren't terrible. Uh, and I, I do agree with you. And in, in terms of all of the adaptations that we've gotten, this has been one of the safest ones, is what I could say. Mm-hmm. So, uh, would you recommend people leave for the theater? Because this is going to be a big one for Memorial Day weekend. You know, it's it's tough because uh, it's tough to recommend a movie when I know there's a much better version of it out there in the world. And it's but so good. It lives think, up. 
Yeah. It still holds up. But I don't think this is a bad time. I, I kind of enjoyed it. I thought it was cool to see Hallie. You know, there's definitely going to be a lot of little girls who who see Hallie on the big screen and, and feel it, in, you know, um, very emotionally. So, when, you know, when she hits that one note towards the end of part, part of your world, I got to be honest, I had a tear in my eye. Like, she, she really killed it. And made, yeah, and made, maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough to get you in the theater. For sure. The Little Mermaid, uh, I recommend it in Dolby if you're there for the music. But catch the original on Disney+. Plus. It, it's it, it's a pretty solid yeah. movie. I can see why they want to remake it. Um, but that will be out next week. There's also on the 24th, there's going to be some early screenings to it. I saw on Fandango, so Ooh. in case you're a super fan, try to catch it there. They might give you some 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 swag. Who knows? Some, some, sometimes they give you that. Uh, that moving A-list. on to some... Some other uh, quick little titles that we've had some mentions for are now kind of getting a full release. This, I think, is out near you. We're getting it slowly released these upcoming weekends, but we talked a little bit about Sanctuary last week, a movie that kind of takes place pretty much all in a hotel room, a hotel, per se, uh, between a guy who's about to have the succession handed on to him as he's going to be the CEO of this hotel chain, resort chain, and his dominatrix and... uh, Kind of the difficulty of what happens when you try to fire her. Um, I know you kind of felt similarly to me where we kind of enjoyed the performances. We thought it was a very interesting story. But maybe we're just missing a little bit more. For me, it was more so, mm-hmm. all right, I got it. Boo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should have tied this up a little bit better, boy. <laughs> there's there's a really fun back and forth to it. I think like there's a lot of really delicious bits of dialogue like if yes, i was an, if i was an aspiring actor i would want to rip scenes from this to oh, do sure. like in acting classes and stuff like that but yeah we sort of agreed that the place that the movie ends kind of feels like it could have maybe been the middle of the film like i want to i want to i want to explore a little bit more i want to get a little bit deeper I, I still think it's absolutely worth going out to the theater for not just how, like, kind of delicious and lurid it is, but Margot Qualley and Chris Abbott are both really, really good here. Margot particularly. Um, I don't know if I've enjoyed her more. I think Margot was a standout in this one as well. Yeah. Margaret, sorry. Um, we got to see this at the Music Box. I think uh, it's a pretty good one to catch as a you know matinee price at our house theater. But he just reminded me of one of... He, he was like a lost Logan. Uh, a lost Roy mm. child, uh, specifically Roman, is, is who I would put him yeah. as. <laughs> in terms of not being able to handle what he has in store for him. But I had also mentioned Piercing, another movie Christopher Abbott was in. That'd be a perfect uh, two for to watch um, nice. with these back-to-back. But Sanctuary, out in limited release as it comes out. Honestly, this one also goes hand-in-hand with it. Master Gardener, another yeah. weird one that we got to catch at the New York Film Festival. It is the newest by Paul Schrader, who says he's going to be collabing with uh, Tarantino pretty soon. But this is supposed Ooh. to be the end of a trilogy. Four movies. I can't remember the run he was going on of these like very interpersonal tales of yeah. forgiveness and such. It was first reformed, the card counter in this, the like kind of yep. lonely man trilogy with uh, all these men writing in their diaries to themselves. Is this man not the loneliest? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it, it feels like well what's weird is while while the characters are getting darker and darker starting with you know Ethan Hawke's uh priest going to the Abu Ghraib torture and now Joel Edgerton is a proud boy this is weirdly like the more hopeful of the three there's kind of like a, a too strange, hopeful Yeah, there's like a strange sweetness to it that personally feels like 
poorly calculated to me. I don't know if they got the ingredients just right. I don't know if you saw this report that came out this week that uh, Tiff report. actually rejected this film. And, and Cameron Whoa. Bailey, the head of the festival... Uh, said that it was over concerns over the way that the movie handles racism because it's it's a very kind Whoa. of confrontational movie given that it's about Joel Edgerton's proud boy character kind of developing a relationship with a young black woman. Uh, so I don't know if I would we saw it, have, yeah 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 kicked it out. No no finish finish yeah. your point. I did not know about exactly. that. Really, Cameron. Right, like, that's the kind of thing that I feel like, it's not like it's an explicitly racist movie or whatever, it's something that, Bruh, like, maybe you can let audiences decide what's going on here. Didn't y'all have that Joker movie that y'all claimed WB was going to take away because they didn't have the copyright <laughs> to it, but you couldn't allow, yeah. man, that's ridiculous, they played Skin, mm -hmm. the movie where, what's I, his name? Yeah, Skin is a much worse depiction of race Way worse, they sympathize sure. with his entire family, oh, that is a yeah. weird thing. Interesting. When we saw this at the New York Film Festival, we went in not knowing that he was supposed to be that. It almost plays it off mm -hmm. as a reveal, but the trailer just does let you know that. Um, and there is a specific sequence. Halfway, uh, the climax of the movie, I fully call it a climax of the movie, <laughs> where our entire audience at, what, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning at New York? Something like just, that. Just fell flat. Someone yeah. laughed Someone was disgusted. I felt some people leave. And this was the one where we were sitting front row. Alina had to chug my cup of coffee because she could not believe what we were watching on screen. It is a little over the top, so I'm not surprised that there was pushback to it. But banning it is kind of weird. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I'd be curious to see I mean, uh, uh, more takes on this one, especially because of that, yeah. uh, that one scene. Look, Paul Schrader is a provocateur, right? Like, he makes films that are very yes. interesting, and they're always about, like, hot-button issues. And I think he's doing a really risky thing here in trying to explore what are, what is our capacity for forgiveness, and are some people irredeemable? And I feel like there's going to be a lot of audiences like that who point. watch this movie and feel the same thing. So maybe, maybe that means this is a successful movie, but, like, it uh. is... I don't know. Like the, a lot of the scenes feel very stilted in the way the dialogue is delivered, that. which is which is not unusual for Paul Schrader, but it's it just Those side characters out of the film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I this is one of those movies that I I like to say like is a lot better when you have already watched it than when you're watching it because when you're watching it, it feels kind of laughable at, at certain points. You would say Joel Edgerton gave a solid performance, though. I, I do think so. I think he's he's solid in the film. You know, he takes that sort of uh, understated, very internalized characters that Paul Schrader likes to uh, put at the center of his films and gives him a depth and gives him uh, layers that feel understandable. I just, I guess I just wish the script was a little bit more solid here. I, I, I agree with that. Uh, to me, Sigourney Weaver was maybe a little too good. <laughs> she was a little too good in this movie yeah. <clears throat> for what she was uh, playing there. So Master Gardener, out in limited. Uh, if you're curious on it, if you've seen the other ones in this trilogy we said it is, uh, wrap it up. Finish this one. Yeah. I, I think it's the one that probably tests your patience, uh, if not more than the other ones. Um, so Master Gardener, out in theaters. But let's wrap up some of the theatrical releases with what is on the horizon. All movies that we have had the chance to see in festivals and we'll yeah. we will be talking about it probably until the end of the year zach one of your favorites from sundance was you hurt my feelings uh mm -hmm. the newest one with julie louis dreyfus a comedy with with some heart into it as well yeah i mean i think it's a really fun but like 
honest look at navigating difficulties in re adult relationships, right? Because this isn't a movie about a couple that needs to break up or people who have discovered really uh, awful truths about each other. It's about sort of like navigating uncomfortable moments because this is a film about Julie Louis-Dreyfus playing a writer who uh, overhears her husband saying that he doesn't like her latest novel. And it gets into all those kind of like insecurities and things that go unsaid in relationships and the ways in which we maybe sacrifice parts of ourselves for the benefit of others. And if you have been in a relationship, if you are in a relationship, a lot of those feelings will feel really familiar, familiar in a way that I think feels very novel in film. I can't think of a lot of other films that navigate terrain like this. You know, Force Majeure is one that I compared this one to, but Force Majeure is a lot more scathing and a lot more existential in the types of questions this is asking. This, I, I've been calling the real Force Majeure. Force Majeure. <laughs> the real right. one, not the one she was in, not the remix. Exactly, not downhill. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel uh, but, that way. Yeah, this one feel, feels a lot cozier, a lot warmer. Uh, I would say that the la while the laughs are darker in Force Majeure, there are more of them in You Hurt My Feelings. And I, I really, really responded to this one. I just think it's it's absolutely lovely, and I think most people will get something out of it. I agree. I also think it's a fantastic movie uh, with a really good supporting cast where it's Very not just cast. the relationship between the couple. I love how they get into the, the sun, something that Nicole, the director, had said was kind of her inspiration to it. This idea of like how your children then look up to you or how even encouraging them can be worse than belittling them to a degree mm -hmm. because they almost uh, you almost stunt them to a degree. Uh, and I thought that whole sequence with... Um, the, all the sequences with uh, Owen, who plays their, their son, were fantastic. There are some really good supporting characters here, like David Cross's character, who, who <laughs> is uh, a, a therapy patient uh, for the husband's character. Their whole running gag was hilarious. Uh, Michaela Watkins as a sister, I thought delivered some of the funniest lines as well. Um, just overall, I think that this is a solid movie that, at, what, 93 minutes? delivers mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to watching it again i would go back to the theater to watch this one uh yeah i'm starting to watch veep as well bro i don't know if oh, you heard dude. that's a that's a pretty decent show a pretty good show yeah uh i wonder if the the writer of that show has gone on to make other hbo shows that we like so you hurt my feelings uh do you know if it's going to be limited because i know uh, some people in the chat already know they're not going to get it uh it's 824 it's 824 that's right it is 824 yeah so I feel like it's not going to be super, super limited, but yeah, it's not going to be in like a thousand theaters or whatever it mm. is. Uh, as a comedy drama, this is this is going to be one of the standouts of the year for sure. So hopefully people are able to catch this one because uh, I think it's it's a really solid movie and I know Zach definitely loved it. Probably still in your mm -hmm. top 10 of the year, right? I, absolutely it is, yeah. For sure. So you hurt my feelings in theaters right in time for Memorial Day weekend. One that I know Zach will be there, seated, to catch, even though he's already seen a link to this. <laughs> the Wrath of Becky, the sequel, yes, the sequel to Becky to from Becky. what pandemic times? I want to say is when this movie came out. Yeah, this is when when nobody was releasing their movies in theaters, and and the country was having an uprising. Right in the summer, they said, you know what this world needs? It needs Lulu Wilson killing Nazis, and what better Nazi than Kevin James? And probably the best role that he's had in a long time. Uh, he killed yeah. it as the Nazi in several ways. Uh, and I also thought Lulu Wilson was kind of fun in that movie. Was it a great movie? No. 
but it was a good time that it, that I did not expect to become a franchise. Um, everything that was good in Becky, they are fully aware in Wrath of Becky, and maybe to its detriment. I think it's equal to it. Zach, I don't know your comparison between the first one to this new one, uh, but we had the chance to catch this at South Pie where they were very particular that we were allowed to watch it and not review it. <laughs> but now it is out, so we can do whatever we want. Yeah. Wrath of Becky, does it deliver to the uh, Becky fans out there, or should they just wait for streaming on this one? I think the Becky fans will probably enjoy it, but it maybe other people w- would find it a little bit thin. Um, to me, I think this is a movie where you spend most of your time just waiting for the kills to happen. And they and it knows there's not that, like yeah. a lot of them. And they, it's not like they are like that exciting either. It's a lot of just kind of spinning its wheels to set up the next moment. And I just didn't find those moments to be like that worthy of the wait. I, I found it to be thin. I found it to be kind of boring. Sean William Scott is pretty cool playing against type, but like there's not much for him to do but die. I don't know. I, I didn't really vibe with... Uh, the expanded Becky universe, especially the latter half <laughs> the of the film and, and the way that they've, they've, they leave her characters feels like ridiculous and, and honestly a bit stupid to me. Wow. That's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm remembering the ending to this movie. They're, they're yeah. trying to fast and furious the Becky franchise. <laughs> I could just say that they're trying to put it up a notch. Um, Sean William Scott doesn't compare. I think that that's where you really have a fall. In order to have Becky really stand out as this young girl who's attacking people, you, one, need a villain who's going to be over the top, which I think, uh, what's his name again, Paul Blart was able to bring, because there were some lines <laughs> he said in that first one that were out of pocket. Sean William mm. Scott, I mean, he's playing a type that we know in real life, so I think that's all they got going for it, which I don't think is the strongest point that they could have. But you also have the fact that Lulu Wilson is getting older, so that novelty of the first movie is kind of going away, So, which is is why I think they're trying to pivot into it being something else as they expand on sequels. Um, But I have to say the directors did probably some of my least favorite movies that have been out on Netflix with the open house. I absolutely hate that movie. Mm. Uh, there was another one that they did that I just did not like. So for them, Wrath of Becky is the best movie they got in their filmography. So for that, if you're a Becky fan of the original, I think this is right up there with you. And uh, yeah, they're definitely going to be coming out with a third one. So if you are a fan of these movies, I still think wait for streaming like everybody did for the first one. Uh, but if you're not, this one's not going to win you over. Yeah, um, it's probably, for me at least, to skip it, but there's, I'm sure there are people out there excited for a new Wrath of Becky movie, and you know maybe it will deliver for them, but it, I think it's definitely a step down from the last one. Uh, one that we're wrapping up here, it is the new Gerard Butler movie called Kandahar, where he's overseas on a mission trying to expose some secret uh, op stuff. And there's translators and there's all these different things going on in the desert. Uh, we had a screener for this because uh, mom's a big Gerard Butler fan. And even as the biggest of the Gerard Butler fans out there, she just had a decent time with this new Jerry flick. Uh, this is more so in line of those like no, I, I don't think it was called Greenland. Um, what, what's the one with Matt Plane? Damon where they're just like... Nah, Plane was... I, I like Plane. I, I like Jerry when he's oh. doing those type of movies. Like Plane, when he's doing... Uh, I think Greenland might have been the one that he was in where he was trying to get yeah. uh, overseas for that. I'm talking about like those yeah. old school, they're all just like staring at screens. 
nobody really is following along with anything that's happening. Uh, it's just like missions at the desert, a lot of like half subtitled stuff. It feels like a very by the numbers installment for what may be based off a true story, but it's not really based off a true story. Mm. I told Zach, Zach, you've already seen a better version to this, and it is called The Covenant. Guy Ritchie covered it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, obviously slightly different because that one's based off of an actual event to me. Uh, I prefer it when Jerry's doing more of the over-the-top stuff. Here, it's a lot of jargon dealing with translators and uh, CIA forces and uh, who's kind of screwing who over. I do need to rewatch this one because it, there are sequences where you have the Taliban getting very upset at the Americans coming in while they're already speaking English <laughs> in their <laughs> private meetings. So it's like... The movie isn't even that committed for what it's trying to stand for. Uh, but if you're... Uh, I get, I'm trying to... I'm blinking on... It's a Matt Damon movie that this reminded me of. Green Zone. Maybe. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. The fact I can't remember it is exactly what I'm going to be doing with this one when the next one comes out <laughs> and I go, Candy Har? What was it called, Zach? That's what this is going to fulfill for that. Uh, but it is another film that's going to be out in theaters. Uh, I guess it's counter-marketing to the Fast X's of the world, The Little Mermaid. Uh, I see Josh mentioning good Machine Gun Preacher. That's what I wish he had in store for us this weekend instead. Mm. But uh, I, I guess a decent action thriller for those who want it. Uh, yeah. Kandahar. I there mean, you go. Gerard Butler is, is molding into one of our more reliable B-flick action movie stars. Like, he can still you kind of know... Yeah, you kind of know if he's going to star in it. it. It'll be decently watchable, and there's better ones and there's worse ones, but... Not, it doesn't sound like this one's a disaster or anything like that. Not too much. So, uh, We're going to be moving over to streaming. We got a couple stuff there. And also, for the first time on the watch list, some that are not. Uh, let's begin with White Man <laughs> Can't Jump, the remake to the 1992 movie that this one couldn't even credit properly. Did you see that at the ending? It said shout out to no. the 1991 movie. They couldn't even get the date right. Uh, it is the remake starring Jack Harlow, uh, Sinkley Wells, which uh, I'm not sure if I've seen any of... I guess he was a nanny. I'm really looking forward to The Blackening. He hadn't stood uh, out to me in, in other things. I, I do remember uh, him from The him Blackening, but... Alright. Yeah. I caught, uh, did I you caught get to see The Blackening last year. Yeah, I caught Bro, it at TIFF last year. Hype it year. up for me, because this is coming out on a weekend when we're getting The Flash, we're getting Pixar's Elemental, and I'm just as excited for this as... Probably more than the other ones, because I think the trailer's yeah. pretty funny for this one. Uh... You, you thumbs up on this it one, It is eh? the trailer. I will say that, at, at least. It is okay. the trailer. I feel... Yeah. Right, it's decent. Um, this is supposed to be the standout for him, and I'm, I'm just going to be right off the bat. I wish they would have put someone like Quavo in his role instead. I wish they would have had mm-hmm. two rappers in this movie to actually bounce mm-hmm. off of each other instead of someone who's an actor and then someone who is a rapper trying to be an actor but isn't really acting, is just playing himself. I'm yeah. a big fan of the original. I went back to rewatch it, and I'm like, yo, yeah. this really holds up. And it's because of what the original does. I don't know why they don't have it linked here. Uh, yeah, that I think this one falls flat, that you have to remove it so much from what the original is trying to tell you because they have completely different endings, completely different characters, a completely different mythos, to be honest with you. That yeah. first one really couldn't be remade today because they did not choose to remake it. Uh, this is, I've seen a lot of people call this a rated R Disney movie. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, Disney Original Channel, or Disney Channel Original kind of feels like. It's it's yeah. so lifeless, and it's so unfortunate, too, because that original film, while I'm not the biggest fan of it, like, there is a lot of life to it, and it, the oh, characters feel person. like people, and they have personalities. 
this is so like devoid of all that they try to do kind of like a little bit of like oh jack harlow's character is like a little new agey they barely hit on it at all uh cinco wells wells's character has been completely stripped of any of the charisma that wesley carried in the original and he, all, all beyond that he's in the negative he's overdrafted yeah. They, rather than have him be interesting, his main issue is, like, he sometimes gets angry, but normally he's not angry, so he's just yeah. blank. And then, like, the worst of all, they take the Rosie Perez character, who is this, like, vivacious, really interesting uh, personality, and she has a whole, like, Jeopardy subplot on the story, and they give her nothing to do here. They're just, like... It's, it's just mellow dr drama, like, why aren't you there for me in our relationship stuff yeah. that a million movies have done before, and a lot of movies have done better, too. There's just, like, the amount of time that's spent on melodramatic relationship talks in this film, rather than the jokes, is stunning for a film that is supposedly written by, like, a comedy writer? Like, I, I don't... the I'll put it this way. I was really not enjoying it. The film ended. Kenya Barris's name came up in the credits, and I said, well, that makes sense. You know what made sense to me? Calmatta came out in the credits, and I'm like, that's right. They're giving this man <laughs> yeah. all the 90s movies to remake. It is just barely better than House Party. And I know that one did not deliver for a lot of people, especially yeah. with that. You still haven't seen House Party, have you? The no. It's on <laughs> you HBO. told me not to, though. <laughs> it's on HBO. I'm still telling you not to. Uh, that second half to that movie, look, whatever they had, there were some jokes in House Party at the beginning that were funny. A lot of them probably came from Stephen Glover. White Man Can Jump feels like every joke was processed through, like, a committee, through a board. Mm -hmm. The complete opposite of what that first movie had going for it. There are jokes in that first movie that are so out of pocket, but it makes sense and makes the characters feel so real. Thank you for bringing up Rosie Perez because that's what people forget. She makes that movie. She is the yeah. anchor to that film. And now y'all got Laura Harrier who, no offense to her, but poor girl can't be casting anything without just being the pretty face for like the dude who's going on his journey. Here it mm -hmm. is again. If you're a fan of Jack Harlow, you're going to like this movie. Uh, the director's been going around going, this movie's meant for kids. I mean, it is rated R, but it's, we went to a junior high and they really liked it. Well, if they really liked it, and if Jack Harlow's such a standout, then Jack Harlow doesn't need the white man can't jump name. I think, like I said, they should have had him and a Quavo, anybody else out there to, to right. make a spinoff version where, you know, there was a point in the 90s where they were bringing a lot of artists to be actors, mm -hmm. right? Like DMX and Nas were in movies together. You had yeah. Poetic Justice. You had a bunch of these films where they were not just original they spun off not stories that were being remade, but the concept was being remade. They're not going to touch a candle to the original story, but they could have had a lot more banter in here. And the only thing that this movie has going for it is jokes that you can tell Jack Harlow was doing on set over and over mm -hmm. and over. And then they like pick whatever they thought were the best ones, right? He's like on different sides of the camera because you could tell he was trying out different things. If you're a big Jack Harlow fan, yeah, go stream this. You're going to have a good time. I don't think you're going to be bored by it, but you're also not going to remember it. Uh, by the end of the year. Um, it, it's I'm up still there. mad at them for putting that uh, Magnolia joke in the first trailer because that got me a little bit excited and uh, there, there's just nothing else there. It's probably the, 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 the best joke that they have and that's yeah. why they needed to put it in the trailer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They go to a lot of the uh, original locations, which I guess is just to homage the, uh, the old one, but you're not going to be homaging a lot here. I will say, though, yeah. Tiana Taylor, shout out Tiana Taylor, still arose in this thorny 
script of a movie. She always yeah. stands out. Go watch 1001, only, which I'm going to be bringing up soon. The only one that actually feels, like, emotionally authentic, even though her character is not, like, deeply written, she's giving a de- decent performance. I, I did have one specific bit I wanted to bring up. There's that, like, famous uh, scene where the guy goes, in, from the original, where the guy goes to get his gun. And in this one, he goes to get a flamethrower? Like, what the fuck are they thinking? Like, what, is that a... Is that their attempt at making a joke? I love the fact that he goes to get a flamethrower, right? And then later on, they actually do get physical with the same group. And it doesn't come back. (laughs) Anyways, uh, rest in peace Lance Reddick, man, because they were also playing with him in a role where he is also, like, on the cusp of maybe dying. So they do have, like, that that they're kind of uh, hanging over your head. But I will say, yeah. a lot of people didn't realize that Vince Staples can be funny. And I'm here to tell you that there is, luckily, a whole show on Hulu called Abbott Elementary where he kills it as a supporting character. And mm-hmm. I would highly recommend going to go check him out there because uh, it's a much better role for him. But overall, Absolutely. white men can jump. You know, I'm not going to say it's the worst thing out there, but hey, if it puts the original on your radar, please go watch the original because I, right. I, I do stand by that. Rosie Perez is fantastic. And it's an ending that I always forget does not go the way you expect it to. And it is the mm-hmm. complete opposite of the ending in here. But uh, White Man Can't Jump out in theaters. Expect Calmatic to reboot what? Poetic Justice? I don't know what other 90s <laughs> movies they can give him, but he'll probably have it on his horizon, man. Yeah. Uh, wrapping it up with another streaming movie. Before I get into some news about Disney vaulting some stuff yet again, uh, there was a South by Film uh, documentary called Love to You, Donna Summer. It is directed by the daughter of Donna Summers. So you do have that profile mm. kind of piece where they're definitely doing a lot of, um, you know, brushing up on some mistakes she may have made, kind of talking on her behalf. And I'm not the biggest fan of when documentaries do that. But as a profile piece, bro, you know, they start talking about, like, the the main song about, about the summer. But then you they go through so much of her catalog stacked with hits for that alone and the creative process of it i think it's worth checking out but i i wanted it to get a a little bit deeper roger ross williams is also a dude who recently just did his first feature after doing a lot of documentaries and cassandro another sundance pick but he's usually a documentarian Hmm. they kept it pretty pretty uh how i would put it pg in terms of how deep they went into her life i think they could have gone a little bit deeper into it but nonetheless it's sitting on hbo uh, it was a South by selection, and just for the uh, the, the the clearing of all the the songs that she had, I, I think it's worth catching, um, because on Hulu, and on Disney, they are looking to remove fifty movies that include documentaries that include profiles on their own people. They have series like Why the Last Man that are getting pulled, Willow, Black Beauty, stuff that they had for multiple seasons, and it is now gone. We have mm. talked about this being an issue in the past. We have talked about what was a HBO getting rid of or Warner Bros getting rid of the uh, background movie for tax reasons. Yeah. They are pulling the same card here. Here is a list Zach, that I'll be showing as you give me your thoughts on this cuz nothing is safe when it comes yeah. to streaming. I mean uh, oh, I guess the cheaper good... by the dozen remake? Yeah, right. That didn't last wow. very long. Uh, that's the that's the thing that's the most surprising about this is how many shows and movies are things that have been greenlit in the past like two three years like they they gave up on them before they really had any chance and and not that i think that like 
you know, uh, <laughs> this whatever. This just came out. Yeah, like like I don't think Brian Cranston's Ape movie is going to become like a bladed Disney Did Plus classic him, or anything like that. Did but you, yeah, did you like see his the, tweet? I think that's the perfect thing though, because like you see how earnestly these pe- these artists go into these they films with on good it. intentions. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's years, months of people's lives, and now they just seem to disappear. And it's not like in the past. When you there were hard to find things that you could still find because physical physical media existed, it feels like a lot of this stuff is just going to disappear <laughs> into the ether. And you know, yes, because some of them don't have a VOD release. You are one hundred percent correct. A lot of people yeah. forget that you can't even purchase this on Apple or Amazon. They're exclusive to the streaming service. <sighs> yeah, exactly. So I mean. Hopefully, some of these turn wow. up on, like, a free-to-stream place, like Tubi, as a lot of those removed HBO Max shows have been popping up there. But it, it just is kind of sad that, like, things that people spent that much time on, like, whether or not they were good, uh, are, are just going to be unavailable unless you're, you're pirating. And, like, I don't like to encourage people to, to pirate media, but that seems to be the only solution in cases like this. Yeah. Damn. Uh, look, Why the Last Man already hurt my heart because it did not deliver with what I wanted it to, so it even mm-hmm. leaving makes no sense. I pulled up the pistol show here, because uh, this was a show that, uh, based off the sex Directed pistols... Directed by Danny Boyle! If he can't even get the benefit of the doubt, then damn are we screwed. I had also yeah. seen up here for the Disney catalog that uh, they had to argue for Howard. They had to pull the, yo, this is like one of your biggest LGBT like pioneers and that's what got them to change it on there like there shouldn't have to be these change.org de- uh, petitions for something that people were already already paying for people are buying annual subscriptions for a catalog that is getting minced before the end of the year that's ridiculous to me the real right stuff what are you talking about this is a whole documentary for one of the real life stories for one of the best movies out there uh, yeah. even, even coming down here I saw some people talking about Dollface I remember Dollface getting a lot of backlash and Disney came up to defend it. They, they greenlit a second season because they said, you know what? We think people still want this. Both seasons, gone. I have felt that, especially with Hulu, they have greenlit second seasons for a lot of things, and then it never gets a third, which always makes you wonder, mm-hmm. why did you guys stubbornly, just to make a point, greenlit a second mm-hmm. season? I see a lot of two-season Hulu shows ending up on this list because this list has been updated since I read it on Friday. Mm-hmm. It is not looking good. Um... Everything is up for grabs, really, at this point. And, uh, yeah. yeah, look right here. There's the update on, on Howard as well. It's, it's just sad, bro. They're bringing back the vault like they used to back in back in our day when uh, they would just hide movies for no reason just to kind of uh, right. uh, make them more, I don't know, uh, what the word for it would be. But none of these movies already had that anticipation, so you are yeah. just kind of killing them on the spot. And it, it's, it's sad ugly. because, like, in a lot of the cases – the they're not really even doing it to generate a lot of uh or, or like to in order to not pay people right a lot of these shows they're already not paying people that's why they're marching yeah exactly they either don't have residuals on a lot of these shows or they have very oh, very man. small residuals the reason they're taking these off is to say that they lost value in like a tax write off it's not even and it's just so yeah. backwards and and so like anti art that it it's 
terrible. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when you see, when you see this stuff happening against the backdrop of the writer's strike, there's no wonder why, like, apparently. Uh, over 70% of Americans like support the writer's strike that we all see this stuff happening mm-hmm. I, I just it's sad to see I think that's Iger he came in he's he's pitched ideas that are even worse than 50 movies and shows getting rid of <laughs> that man wants to get rid of Hulu completely uh, you saw the bear all Back for season two? streaming on the same day <sighs> did they did that for season one which like sure it's did a they? it's a under the radar show they did um, oh my but, goodness! But the show's a hit now. Don't don't do that anymore. Get it? The Disney Plus also revealing that Loki will be weekly, but you know the ones where they were giving it the 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 extra. I think it was Echo all on the same day. So it's just really goofy to see what they stand yeah. for that don't really stand for. Don't commit to it. But hey, if you're curious on any of these, give them a watch before they disappear. Uh, and I guess look to the whole catalog because you don't know what the next thing is. It's going to be added onto this list. Before we get to our picks for the week for what is going to be a jam-packed Memorial Day weekend, Zach, give a shout-out to the Intercuties over on our Patreon. Yeah, let's give a shout-out to those wonderful people supporting the show, all the Intercuties out there. Our Academy-level members are Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Pete, May, Ricky, Joe, Janicia, Tyler, and Benji. And, of course, a big thanks to the producer-level patrons who are Udenvir, Sam, and Wiley. A big thanks to all of you for supporting our show. And to those of you who are in the live stream with us now, a quick reminder that you can also become a member over at patreon.com slash intercutpod, where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to the intercut episode outlines, access to some private channels on the intercut discord, uh, which you can join using a link in the description, and an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings. Uh, are we going to do the next one next week, or is it Memorial Day? So we, we maybe got to take it in June? I, I don't know. It's Memorial do Day. Of- we got we to gotta observe our veterans like Roger Ebert next weekend, <laughs> but we're going to have to do a twofer for June. Uh, because we we're go. also we'll leading. Up in June. We're leading into our what's going to be our uh, best of the uh, year so far as we get close mm. to the six months, our midway point, which is always the most exciting uh, list to put together over here on our must-watch picks. Um, but I, I am excited to see what we have in store because the last one for the A24 bracket is Among Us now that uh, you're no lo- or you heard my feelings is about to come out. So we have some pretty good stuff and uh, other preliminary brackets that we're going to have to go through with the patrons because I like that they get to already see what's not being in there. Because I feel it's less pressure on us. I feel most of the time we get yelled at for what doesn't make the bracket over what actually wins the bracket. So we'll have a bunch of those on the horizon. Uh, But also a big shout out to everybody who's watching on the live chat. Uh, See some of the questions here that we'll answer. Did you guys review how to blow up a pipeline? We did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I know that was one of Zach's favorite picks, especially coming out of the festivals. And Burning Days. Burning Days, if I'm not mistaken played at Chicago and I did not get the chance to see it. It was getting rave reviews. So hearing you uh, like that one uh, is definitely making me want to put it higher on my on my watch list for sure. Uh, let's see. I think Josh says, Hollywood is an awful place. Do you agree? I'm not disagreeing. Uh, Abby Zeran says, which HBO shows should we be looking forward to after Succession? Uh, whew, do you know what's on the, on the pipeline coming out for them? Like the one show that's coming to mind is uh, I know Righteous Gemstones is returning for a season three, and I'm a big fan of, of that over on HBO. Uh, it's They've always got quality. It's just a matter of when those shows are coming back. Like, you know, we're definitely going to watch The Last of Us season two, but 
we're probably not going to get that for another, what, 18 months more with the writer's strike? Easily. Um, I don't know what HBO is, but on Max, oh. uh, they have the other two, and the other two has been yeah. freaking killing it, dude. I finally caught that episode with Lucas Gage. Hilarious. So good. Oh. And then the follow-up episode with Glooby, Globby, whatever that thing was. <laughs> The best call out to Disney I have seen in a show probably ever. I cannot mm-hmm. give that show more praise. Uh, three seasons in for a comedy to still be hitting that hard, it, it's so consistent. So uh, those would probably be the best kind of uh, industry would be another one. I don't know if you mentioned that one. Uh, oh, that, I love that kind industry, of go along, yeah, and yeah, with Succession. Uh, in terms, they of announced those a couple very exciting cast shows. members for the the new season of Industry as well. So, so that's cool. really oh okay. Uh, Devesh had also mentioned the Idol. Look, I know a lot of people are not looking forward to that one, and I think it's getting some uh, some buzz off a of con. If I'm it's not actually premiering right now. Like literally, I think in Look con they're watching it right now. I'm excited for it. Dude. I think it's so dumb that he said he forgot how to sing. <laughs> I, I I think. It's going to be entertaining, to say the least. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to catch that one as well. But uh, any picks that y'all may have, please let us know down below in the comment section. Sure. Every week we come here to give you uh, what we deem are the must-watch picks for the week, including the ones that we have right here. Zach, uh, we have a, a loaded television finale of a week that's on the horizon because Yellow Jackets is wrapping up its season two finale over on Showtime. Ted Lasso is wrapping up its season three. Ted Lasso is streaming right now, if you didn't know, on Apple TV. And then Mrs. Davis, a show where we ran into a bunch of nuns at South By because that's how they decided to promote it. And none of those are still in our top ten picks for the week. Zach, start it off. A lot of stuff to watch. And uh, sticking with TV... I want to talk a little bit about Primo. It's a new show that's over on Amazon Freebie, available for you Prime users as well. Uh, This one comes from Shea Serrano, who some people might know for a couple viral movie opinions, but also for his books, uh, basketball and other things, movies and other other things. He's got some books about Scrubs and The Office, so he's gone from writing about culture to making some of it himself. Uh, Here's a show that... Uh, uh, is very heavily uh, based on his own upbringing and uh, be- being a young man with a lot of uh, uh, uncles around to to guide him through life. And he kind of was shepherded through this process by showrunner Mike Schur, a guy who mm. uh, created The Office, created... Hits. Uh, not created The Office. He worked on the, the Office. He created Parks and Rec. He created The Good Place. He's created a lot of iconic uh, sitcoms. And I think he, he has... In, imbued this show with a similar balance of lightheartedness, comedy, and heart. I think it's a, a very fun, sweet show. Like, there's always sort of like a, a a hug your family kind of moment at the end of these episodes. But I think there's a lot of good jokes in there, too. It, it's maybe a little bit... Um, a little bit more, like, typical TV comedy, not necessarily, uh, you know, pushing like the envelope of a former structure. But, yeah, like, if you're looking for, like, an entertaining sitcom... I think this is like a good hang. Uh, I think you caught a couple episodes as well. Were you enjoying it? Yeah, I caught a couple episodes. Uh, you had mentioned it. It kind of has that on my block feeling where everyone's playing like this pivotal part of the family. Uh, and you know that no matter where what happens in the episode, they're always going to come back and have that family dinner. 
Uh, so I'm curious to to keep watching it. Um, and I like that it's on freebie because that way you don't need that a hundred and what is it now fifty dollars? I don't know how much Bezos needs of Prime. You could just catch it with ads for free on freebie. Mm-hmm. Probably the smartest change, uh, name change. I don't think they get enough credit for that. Max has been trying to do the switch, but freebie freebie kind of works. So yeah, Primo over on freebie. This next one though, this next one though yeah. I was excited. I mean, is there a better sketch show on right now than I think you should leave with Tim Robinson? And just, it's hard to think of any other sketch comedy that has broken through with as many iconic ideas or characters or lines. You you can't scroll Twitter without seeing somebody like reappropriate the hot dog meme or the gimme that meme or the I don't even want to be dog here meme everywhere. We it's need everywhere. to find who did this. <laughs> but it's it's always hilarious, and I just think that there's something special in the way that Tim Robinson does these characters who are wrong but refuse to admit it. Uh, always hilarious. I cannot wait to see what they have in store for season three. I'm so confident that there's going to be some more stuff that ter- ter- gets turned into, like, frequently reused jokes. So, yeah, do I you know when back that actually... Bit. <laughs> coffin flop? I needed to see more coffin flop. Uh, <laughs> They're saying it, coffin flop's not a show. <laughs> I, I think it comes out Friday, if I'm not mistaken, but it, it's going to oh, be out amazing. before the end of May. So, I mean, what, what a way to wrap it up. So, I'm, I'm excited for that. I will keep my Netflix yeah. account until the end of the month for sure. Perfect, perfect. Um, I'll also give a shout out to a movie we talked about a little bit earlier on this episode, but you hurt my feelings. The absolutely lovely new heart. film written and directed by Nicole Holof Center and starring Julie Louis-Dreyfus as a writer who overhears her husband insulting her new book. I mean, it just, for anybody who has navigated a relationship in their life, there will be fun, warm, and also, like, dramatically compelling things here that you will relate to. I just think it's such a uh, such a smart depiction of how adult relationships work and evolve as well. So you heard my feelings. One of my favorite movies of the year so far probably will uh, be on that top 10 of the year so far list that we were talking about just a bit ago. Easily. I see in the chat people already recommending you what you're about to recommend to them. But did you see it already? I haven't seen the last one. I've, I, they sent me the first seven, so I am just like with everybody else, waiting for that finale of Barry, just the incredible Bill Hader show. Uh, I, I'm still really enjoying season four. I do think that it is not quite as it, it's not quite as like gripping as I found season four to be. Uh, where se- or excuse me, season three, where season three really balanced the the tension and the comedy. I, I think that this one is going in a far more like quiet, unsettling direction, which maybe is a hint at what Bill Hader wants to do as a director, because these mm-hmm. episodes are still like immaculately directed. Visually, they are they are beautiful and compelling and, and surprising. But I think the seven episodes have all really led to what's going to be like. An, an immense finale like a just uh, I think they've set themselves up to really take the show to an extreme that it has not gone to yet and I'm excited to see what what will happen because I've, I've just enjoyed it so much I think uh, his team is so smart in the way they write the show so cannot wait I think we're gonna do a whole like Barry's series recap uh, on the channel next week Mm-hmm. It's going to be full explainer next week. That's why we got a jam-packed yeah. uh, watch list this week because that that last Barry episode was the last thing I watched before I jumped on here. 
Sarah Goldberg Incredible. has been freaking killing it. She had another one this year. There's this, there's an audible thing that happens when she says something and her mind just tunes out. It's when she's talking to her son. Killed it. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for the finale of that as well. Including what is easily what? Not just a pick of the week. It's been a pick of the month. It's been a pick of the year. Yeah. The finale. It's of succession. Oh, Cannot wait. I mean, look, we're going to talk about it for we're, we're going to talk about it for another hour after we finish this stream. But if you're not watching Succession already, use this as your excuse to try and get into it because it, we are going to be just, people are going to be talking about this, whether or not it's great or bad or somewhere in between. It's just there's so much to dig into the show with the show. So many iconic characters who I can't wait to see how Jesse Armstrong and his team decide to like leave them and and let us interpret. I'm I got high high expectations for this finale, man. What about you? I think the last episode has been the last best episode of the season. So yeah, that's what I think. Oh man, it's gonna be good stuff. Woo! Uh, nothing but hits, really. Uh, so much good stuff out on TV, a bunch of good stuff that's going to be out in theaters, but even some uh, festival picks and the like that have been coming out. One that uh, came out right when we were at Sundance is Missing. I was always yeah. really bummed out that they never put Searching on a streaming service. Like, that movie did well, but I can't imagine how many more people would have paused to check all of the little Easter eggs there. Well, Missing is now on Netflix, which is really funny because there's some Netflix jokes in Missing. Uh, And I think that uh, it's just as fun as the original. I I hold the original as a very close part of my uh, Sundance experience. And I still think that that one does things that far outreach what Missing does. I think the performances and where the story Mm -hmm. goes there is so much better. But I love the twist on having it be not a father looking for their kid, but a kid looking for their parent. And uh, I, th- I thought it's been a blast. I was going through all of the Easter eggs and such to work on the LME that people have been asking me to get on. Um, mm. But it is now on Netflix. It's sitting up there in the top of the charts. And if you've missed it, give it a watch. You you will not be bored with this movie. It's the best yeah. way I can put it. I, but before it was on Netflix, I was uh, giving uh, some people my account to go watch it. And no one has been bored with the movie. Uh, the special featurettes get into so many different things as well. So I'm missing. Uh, definite standout. And it's streaming on Netflix. Yeah, I was a bit underwhelmed with it, but it is a w- intensely watchable film. Easily. Uh, Thousand and One. I don't know why, where I got that this was going to go on Prime. It's been sitting in my head that this was going on Prime, on Prime, on Prime. It's a focus features film that had a release in theaters. Everyone who saw it liked it. And now it's sitting on Peacock, a place where I think people should definitely go, instead of Hulu, to go see a real good mm-hmm. Tiana Taylor performance. We boasted about this one out of Sundance, the score, the, the the set design, hearing how they were filming shots in this, because they go well back in time in New York, that they were filming her running down certain parts. There's this beautiful scene where she runs down New York. How they filmed that in three different segments mm-hmm. blew my mind. So definitely mm-hmm. go catch this movie. Uh, to me, this is one that should be talked about all the way towards the end of the year. And now everybody has a chance to catch it if you've got Peacock. Um, you know, yeah, you know how when, when at the end of the year people put out their most underrated movies of 2023 lists, and it's like, oh man, I didn't watch that. You have a chance to watch it now. You have a chance everybody to watch. puts it on their underrated and underseen lists. It's a yeah, really uh, excellent film, a, an amazing Tiana Taylor performance. Definitely worth the cat, worth catching. 
someone's asking if, if there's like Oscar potential here. You know, we we don't know about all that stuff, but what I can say is I don't want this to be on under the radar list. This should be all yeah. over the place. So I hope that people do give this a chance. Uh, one that came out last year, and this man already has another movie, probably the same movie again at Con right now. Broker. We got this late last year, but boy, did this hit like a ton of yeah. bricks. I swear this man has remade the same movie a dozen times, and I don't care. I will be there to watch the next one that he has. Broker's coming out on Hulu. Do yourself a favor and watch it. I freaking loved this movie. I think you also liked it. Yeah, I mean, Coreata is just like a wizard with these these plots and these these abilities to pull disparate people together to make strange versions of family it, it it's it's a formula that just works every time he does it no matter the different circumstances i i love this one yeah bro and i love this poster I, one of the best things that letterbox has done is let, it, let you choose different posters i saw this one yeah i did that thing where i saw someone log it with that poster and i went and changed it myself oh it looks so sick it is a fantastic movie there are there are so many moments that that almost pushed me to tears in this film. So I'm excited to go catch this one again. Another one that I was so excited to add last minute, I did not even add it to my list here. So as I push it up over here, I did not realize, because we caught half of this uh, two South Bys ago, before our link expired. And oh. it was like this hybrid documentary narrative where you have this couple who was stealing a bunch of like valuable art. And then you also kind of have them reenacting it. And rewatching it, I was like, bro, I know that balding lipped man, that's Glenn Howerton. Glenn Howerton is yet <laughs> in another movie this month that I'm giving a big thumbs awesome. up to. He plays the reenactments for this couple who, as the, the you know title tells you, were thief collectors going through a bunch of stuff and like not being shy about it. They left every record there. So this movie is able to go in and kind of tell you what they were thinking in certain sequences and just kind of... Um, like I said, showing you reenactments of it. Uh, yeah. I think it's a very entertaining story. It's a very brief thing, uh, brief runtime. And like I said, it's, it's this hybrid of a story uh, that I think delivers in ways that one of my favorites of last year, um, the Pest Collector, was able to do. Um, so I would highly recommend this one. It is not streaming yet, but I know it is out on VOD eventually uh, with some limited runs in theaters as well. Definitely put this on your radar. Uh, really, really, really solid movie, The Thief Collector. And wrapping up my list over on Prime, it's not just the ending to a lot of series. The, the thing is, it's not just the ending of seasons, Zach. It's the ending of series. Mrs. Yeah. Maisel is wrapping up its entire run over on Amazon Prime. I, I love the first season. Second season was a little rocky. Third season got back into it. And then honestly, four and five, for someone who's a big fan of the show... I've just kind of like nonchalantly watched it in the background, never really fully covered it, covered it here on our weekly shows. But nonetheless, I have to give a shout out as the series is coming to an end. Um, I, I think that Rachel Brosnahan, who was winning a bunch of Emmys, even I think Borstein mm -hmm. was winning a bunch of Emmys early on, um, had a show that I think was, was really consistent in its comedy, was very heartfelt. Um, and, you know, be it just the way that Prime rolls out things, it has not had the same energy as it did before. Um, I'm excited to see how it all wraps up. I've, I've been sitting on the screeners for this as well, but uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, one of the many shows that's ending next week that uh, I will have my eyes on. Going through the other picks that we had, The Thief Collector, if you're an Always Sunny fan, man, they're, they're, they're back in movies, baby. <laughs> Everyone from that cast is coming up with a bunch of stuff now, which I think is really excited to see. Uh, really exciting to see Broker, 
Uh, if you're not watching the Coriata movie at cons, then you're watching the last Coriata movie from cons at home on Hulu, mm-hmm. 1001. If you did not get the chance to go to Sundance or the theaters, it's coming to you right at home on Peacock. Tiana Taylor definitely deserves a lot of praise for this movie. And Missing, big fan of Searching. Uh, and Missing has that same energy as Searching. It will not leave you bored. And of course, probably the most solid picks of this week, Zach. Yeah, the succession finale. I mean, we will all be glued to our TVs. I don't think I, I have to recommend it to you, but I will recommend it to you anyway, as long as well as the Barry finale. Cannot wait to see how Bill Hader and co. decide to wrap up uh, the show that has turned from one of my favorite comedies into one of my favorite dramas. You Hurt My Feelings, one of the best movies I've seen all year, one of my favorites out of Very Sundance, good. and just an absolutely... Uh, lovely film. One of those movies that I think is extremely easy to recommend to just about anyone. I'd I'd have a hard time imagining people seeing it and thinking it's awful. So You Hurt My Feelings goes on the list as well as I Think You Should Leave, which returns with season three over on Netflix. My favorite sketch comedy show by by a margin, I would say. I just really love Tim Robinson's sense of humor. And then lastly, uh, over on Amazon Prime or over on Freebie, if you want to catch it without paying for a subscription, check out Primo, a really lovely uh, family sitcom and a good time uh, from Shea Serrano and Mike Schur. Sounds great. Uh, that's it for this week's show where we give you all of our recommendations. Uh, Zach, where can people find more from you? You can catch me at Zshevich on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, wherever, or follow Multiplex Show on YouTube or TikTok for some new videos from me. Beautiful. You can find me over at LME Movies on all of the socials or every week here on the Intercut Podcast where we go through all of the movies, all of the TV shows, all the recommend recommendations that we can put on your radar, as well as y'all putting some recommendations on us. We love the movie Blind Spotting. We have yet to catch up on the show because it's on Stars. It's like the one streaming service that I don't have a, yeah. a, a cable plus account for to add. Uh, but I've been curious on catching up with that one uh, from as well. That's another one on Epics. But every week here, we look forward to catching up on all of the picks from all of the streaming services, theaters. A reminder that you can listen to every episode of the Intercup podcast over on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify. Zach was showing me the stream chartable thing that we had to see all of the countries where I don't even know if I'll ever visit them, but it's cool to know that we're being listened to over there yeah uh, again you, you can watch all the live videos here uh especially a big shout out to the chat like i said who gives us recommendations who goes back and forth with us every monday here uh we will be doing a succession one uh right after this one so in case you haven't hopped on for those in case you haven't watched succession if it's the one show we're covering weekly that, that's the biggest recommendation we can give it yeah. a big shout out to all the oh. intercuities what's up I was going to say, let us know if there's a show that you think we should be covering weekly after Succession 2, because we only got one That's more week point. of it, so we got to figure out what's coming next. Do you, do you feel idol. like summer shows? Wait, which one? I was going to say maybe The Idol. You just, I feel like you're going to be mad, bro. <laughs> but that would hey, be an interesting m- one. Might be a good stream <laughs> that way. Uh, I'm excited for that show. Uh, maybe it could be the, what is it, the... Uh, uh, writer's proof series that Hulu and ABC have where it's going to be just all reality shows. There'll be a bunch of other ones that we'll be able to cover or other after credits for all of the big blocks, block, big blockbuster movies that are going to be coming out this summer, uh, as we mentioned. But again, a big thank you to the Intercuties who listen live. A big shout out to all the patrons, to all of the iTunes listeners leaving us that five-star five-star review uh don't forget to leave us a comment drop a like follow all of the socials over at intercut pod and until next time 
keep watching movies. We'll send you some coronas. <laughs>